Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Again, glad to have you guys here with us. Glad for you guys watching online. Let's pause and let's pray and we'll get started this morning and be open to what can happen in our time together. Father, we are grateful for once again an opportunity to push pause and to be still and to allow this to be an opportunity for the things that matter concerning you, your kingdom, to be our focus. And we pray that you would enlighten us by your spirit, that you would challenge us, that we would even provoke one another, Lord, to living life in line with who you are in your kingdom. And we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. couple things. Uh, take care of some business again. Thank you to everybody who supports Genesis uh, online and who do it here. Uh, we are here because you do support uh, what we are doing and our ability to gather together, and so we're grateful. Um, there's the ways you can give if you are so inclined, and we do appreciate it and are thankful for those things that you guys are doing. I started this morning by asking a question before everyone was here, and the question was, how do you feel when you hear the word evangelism or to evangelize? I'd love to hear, just shout it out. What does it make you feel? Preaching. Preaching. Stress, pressure. Supportive, okay. It's not sharing. Billy Graham. Okay, there you go. A lot of us grew up in this understanding, at least I did, of Christianity, that it's really between heaven and hell. And the way you keep from going to hell is by accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior by saying a prayer. Now, that varies between other people. I mean, if you have a Calvinist view, it might be a little bit different than some of the others, but it kind of comes down into that understanding. And so there is a lot of pressure to tell people about Jesus, otherwise they're going to hell. They have to make a decision. D.L. Moody, who was a preacher in Chicago, there's this story that he, you know, was preaching at his church and he told people to go home and think about, you know, the decision to follow Christ. And then there was a big Chicago fire and like 300 people died and a lot of the people were in his church. And he regretted after that not making uh, 
decision to tell them to accept Jesus at that time. And it was like this guilt was now on him because he didn't say the right thing to get people to make the right decision that he was responsible for what happened to their eternity just because he asked people to think about something. Talk about pressure, right? I mean, like, oh my gosh, that, that's just so much weighing on you. And I grew up in that mentality. I remember they would have classes on, they called it witnessing. This is how you tell people about Jesus. And then we would go out to places and witness. And I can remember one time specifically, I wore this shirt. I'm so embarrassed. Um, It was like a street sign and it had an arrow going up and an arrow going down. And it said, the choice is yours. And I went to the park with my Thompson chain reference Bible. That's about this big. And I was gonna go tell people about Jesus and how to accept Jesus. And I went up to this man who was there with his kids playing on the playground, and I could see the terror in his face just as I'm walking up to him with my Bible. And I said something like, excuse me, sir, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus Christ and how you can accept him as your Lord and Savior, something like that. And his response to me was, please, I'm trying to spend the day with my kids. I don't get them except for the weekends. And now I am left with this choice. Do I interrupt this man's family time? Well, if he's going to hell, of course I do, right? If my mentality is, well, if I don't tell you about Jesus, buddy, what good is playing with your kids? You're going to hell, right? I mean, I could have took that road, but I didn't because I just felt terrible, And it was this pressure that I had on me, and I started feeling like I'm not a good enough Christian because I'm not telling people enough about how to accept Jesus and not go to hell. And as you guys know, I mean, we've been on a journey for years that I think it's a lot different than that. I think the gospel message is much deeper than that. I think the idea of accepting Christ or even rejecting Christ is a lot more than saying a prayer or believing a certain set of doctrines. And so I want to take a few weeks and go into what this looks like because I still believe in Jesus and want other people to believe in Jesus. For me, Jesus is central to how I live my life and The things that he taught and the things that he did are so foundational, I think, to what I call the kingdom of God and how we are meant to live and how we are meant to lean into these things. And so our series is called Wearing A Faith Worth Wearing. And today it's going to be titled, What's in a Name? Names today don't always have the same connectivity as they did in scripture, right? Today, we name someone because maybe it was a family member or because, you know, we like the name. Oh, yeah, Biff is a cool name or whatever the name is, right? You, you, you pick a name because you like the way it sounds. But it used to be that names were markers for identification. I mean, even in scripture, you've got Adam, mankind, Eve, you know, mother of living. It's like 
the life of mankind is set up in that story. You have Jacob, whose name meant kind of a conniver to catch the heel. And then later his name's changed to Israel, which means governed by God. And so the names were connected to the people, or Esau, Harry, right? (laughs) That's what his name is, you know, poor kid. Red and Harry, um, the first ginger in scripture. And so... Names had a lot of meaning, and it included names that were used for God. You know, the Egyptians had different names for God, depending on the God of the sun, Ra, or different gods. And so names became very much a description of the God that you believed in and the God you were following. And so in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is going into Egypt, we see that Moses said to God in verse 13, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Now, does that strike anyone as weird? Like, is is someone going to ask me what God's name is? Well, it's God, right? I just said God. But they're asking, what's his name? Why? Because that name is going to tell us a little bit more about who he is and whether he really is the God we are going to follow or not. And so it goes on. In Hebrew, he tells him in verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now that doesn't seem like an answer to me. That seems pretty vague. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. And in Hebrew, it means I exist. And a lot of people think it's a comparison to the other gods that really don't exist, or I am the becoming one. I am one who is there, present. And and so this name has this connotation to it. And it goes further because God also said to Moses in verse 15, say to the Israelites, the Lord. And the word there, Lord, you'll see it on the screen or in your Bibles, it's a capital L-O-R-D. And that is the name that is used for God. Whenever you see that with all capitals, it is the word that we translate either Yahweh or Yehovah. We don't really know what the word is because they took out the vowels and it's just the consonants. It says, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And so this is my name, but we don't really know what the name is. And the reason we don't know how to pronounce it is because they remove the vowels because there is a command that we'll get to right now that we're not to use the Lord's name in vain. We're not to use it in a way that is meaningless. And so if you can't use it at all, you can't make the mistake. That was kind of the idea, right? They're going to kind of put a fence around this so that we can't even stumble over this. And we see that in Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So to keep from misusing the name, they removed the vowel so you couldn't even say the name. That will stop them from misusing the name. Now, again, if you were... Growing up in church like me, you will not take the Lord's name in vain means you can't cuss. 
You can't use Jesus' name or say, God damn it, or something like that, because that is using God's name in vain. But that's not what's being presented here. What's being presented here is the idea of making the name meaningless. It's taking that name and ascribing it to something that is not connected to what the name is supposed to be connected to. A lot of times it was like, I swear by God that this is true. I'm making an oath. Remember, Jesus said, when you go into the temple and you say, I swear by the, the altar, or you say, I swear by the gold on the altar. And he goes, what, what are you doing? What's sacred, the gold, the altar, or the God who makes it sacred? Right? And so there was these ideas of how we can still use this name to give validity to what we're saying, but was actually using God for our purpose to give our boisterous, you know, God's with me. I swear by God that this is going to happen. I'm using God's name to back my desires up. And so he's saying we can't do that. The idea of the name is very important. And there are various ways that a person can bear or carry God's name. And it means so much more than just this is your name. It, it has a lot to do with the character of the person. In Exodus 23, verse 20, it says, See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. God's name is now in the angel. So this angel here bears the name in him, which I assume means he's acting with Yahweh's authority. He stands in for Yahweh. He, my name is in him. Then we go to Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 11. Then to the place the Lord your God will choose as dwelling for his name. There you are to bring everything I commanded you, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, and all the choice possessions you have vowed to the Lord. Now there is a place for his name to dwell. And for the children of Israel, it was the promised land. And in the promised land, it was Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, it was the temple. And in the temple, it was the Holy of Holies. And this is where the name dwelt. The presence of God was to dwell there. And we've gone through Exodus and we've kind of talked about a lot of the things here. So I'm not gonna backtrack too much of all the things that meant and some of the problems we have with those things. But here we see that the name is not only possibly able to be in someone, it's also to be on a place. And this place is now holy, special, because the name dwells there. And eventually that name would dwell in that holy place. So the name can be with a person, the name can be in a resting place. In Micah chapter four, verse five, it says, all the nations may walk. And when we see the word walk, it means to live. That's the idea of when they walk, they are living. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord. We will live in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. So his name can be a resting place 
or in the bearer of that name who stands in the place of Yahweh as the revealer of Yahweh's will. The name can rest over an actual place which can stand for a holy place Yahweh is supposed to dwell, or you can walk in the way of Yahweh, the way that bears that name. And what it means is that the life you're living is representative of the name that you are using and that they are similar. So the name of Yahweh is seen in the way you are living your life. And we see that the names function differently than just a reference to, you know, Sam or Kareem. It has a lot more meaning to it. When it's talking about a person's name, there is all this connotation that's in on those things. And this idea carries over to Jesus and to all the names that the early cultures used and saw that. When a person had their name, it was not just to identify that person. It was to identify a whole lot more. A person can bear the name of their family or their father. And a lot of times that would be the case. They would use that surname to identify who this person was. They are the son of, and they put the name. They are the daughter of. Why? Because this is the family they represent. And so then we start to see how does this show up with these early followers of Jesus and what that name means to them. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They had just been out in the synagogue preaching about Jesus, the name. And now they're considered worthy to suffer for that name and they rejoice. Why are they rejoicing? Because they are being connected to the name they are representing. And so for them, it felt like validity, right? We're doing what we're supposed to because they are connecting us to the person that we're representing. So they bore the name of Christ. That's what Christian meant, right? It meant to be like Christ. It wasn't a religion you joined as much as it was a name that you carried. And so Peter would say in 1 Peter 4, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you're insulted because of the name, it doesn't just mean that you say the name, it's because you identify with the name, then you're blessed. And he gives the contrast, right? You're walking, you're living in the way of Jesus. The spirit of glory rests on you. You can be encouraged because you're insulted for the way that you're living. In verse 15, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And so we see the contrast. Don't be a murderer. That's bad. Don't be a thief. That's not good. Don't be a meddler. Those things don't line up with the name Christian. So if you're doing those things, you are not bearing the name. But if you suffer for bearing the name, in other words, you're representing Jesus and they're opposing what you're representing, then you're blessed because you bear that name. 
we shouldn't have to pause here and question what that means, but we do because suffering as a Christian has changed its meaning since the first century. It's not suffering for Jesus because people don't like the way you vote. That's not suffering for Jesus. Suffering for Jesus has to do with you living like Jesus and people are in opposition to how you are living like Jesus. What did Jesus do? Loved God, loved others. You see, he caused conflict to the social structure by not giving in to the leadership of the social structure, but by defying it and saying that God cares about the least of these, even though those who were in power were using them for their sake and power. And so Jesus elevates the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, all these people. He, he partners with them and they become a part of this kingdom. And that ruffles feathers because that doesn't look like the society we're living in. And so those are ways that we bear his name. So names work differently then as they do now. There is a warning about attaching names to insignificant things. Things you could attach names to were beings, ways of life, and places. And so Jesus Christ now becomes the name that we are to bear. And if you can bear the name positively, it means you can also bear the name negatively. Ezekiel tells us this about the nation of Israel in chapter 26, verse 23. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. You profaned my name. And the idea of profane means to make it meaningless. You made my name meaningless by how you lived, but it's through you that I am going to change that. So instead of it being meaningless, it's going to become meaningful when you start changing how you bear my name. And so the reputation of Yahweh is now resting on the people. And how they live is going to be the example of who he is. So what's the point of this name thing, right? If we are followers of Christ, we are to bear his name in our conduct. And whether we're evangelizing or not, we do not witness about Christ. We are to be witnesses of Christ in our lives. So witnessing isn't something you do. It's a life that you are living. What's worse, using God's name as a cuss word or calling yourself a Christian and living in a way that does not honor the person of Jesus? And there's so many ways that we can step into what it looks like to honor Jesus because of how Jesus lived and how Jesus treated people. We're never not bearing his name. And so the question is, how are we wearing that name? What 
does he look like when we put him on and walk through our daily life? What are people seeing in the way we're bearing that name? I'm thinking of a story. And just ways that we can bear the Lord's name. I usually will order, when I'm driving out to LA, I will order my Starbucks coffee from my house. I'm one of those guys who orders it on the phone, drives up there, picks it up. Some people don't like me because of that. But, and then I go up to the Starbucks, I get my coffee, I jump on the freeway, and I head out to LA. And it works great for me, because usually by the time I order it and the time I get there, it's done. It's like, hi, thank you, boom, I'm, I'm gone. The other day, it was like a holiday, President's Day or something. And so there's what I call tourists, Starbucks tourists that were there, right? These aren't the people who need coffee because they're going to work. These are the people who want a coffee because it's a day off and it's cold weather. And so, yeah, I'm not pretentious. Um, And so I get there and I open the door and there's this throng of people. There's like 20 people surrounding this counter. And there's like 20 coffees on the counter. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, you know, I can't even get to the counter because these people are hovering around the counter and they're just like all waiting for their coffee. And it's like, how do I know if my coffee's there or not? You know, and there's this poor guy behind there and he's just frantic. He's just frantic and he's putting things down and he's calling out names. And I finally make my way there and I just say, is there one for Sam? He goes, oh, oh, um, hold on a second, you know, and I'm like, okay. And so I move my way back and now I'm getting upset because... The whole point of this was to save time, right? Now I'm going to be late. And you know how it is when you're driving to L.A. I mean, five minutes can cost you 25 minutes if you're not doing this right, right? And so in my mind, I'm calculating, oh, man, I'm not going to get there now till this time. And there are, you know, all these people hovering around there. And this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And I, everyone's getting irked at this guy. Like, well, I've been here for 20 minutes, and he's just frantic. And I'm getting irked at this guy because he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like, buddy, you shouldn't even be there. We, let's get, and finally, someone steps in, and he starts taking charge, and he starts calling out names, and he starts taking care of this. Like, finally, someone's here who's going to take care of business. And by the time I finally get to the counter, I have this awareness of me being a jackass, right? It's like, I am just another one of these people who's upset because I didn't get my coffee as early and as easily as I want to. And so I go up to the counter and I'm thinking, this is not good how I'm feeling. And so I go up to the guy and I go, hey, and his name is on his apron. Hey, go, Chris, this is crazy right now, man. You're doing a great job. And the guy just looks at me and goes, oh, thank you, Right? And then I got my coffee, and it had been sitting there a while, and it was cold. And, and I leave. But by me valuing him gave me an opportunity to bear the name. I didn't say, hey, Chris, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because when you get out of here, someone's going to kill you, and you're going to go to hell, right? I mean, I, it wasn't this kind of hard sell. I didn't even tell him I'm a Christian. That's why I'm telling you this. I just wanted to bear the name. And I had to go through an internal repentance of myself, right? Because I was upset. And when my coffee was cold, (laughs) I still was upset, right? I was like, oh, man. 
but I wanted to bear the name. I wanted to treat him like a human being. I wanted him to see that he's value. When we used to go to Mexico and do, you know, uh, take clothing and food down to Mexico, I remember we'd gather all our trucks around and we'd pull all the things out and then we'd call the people from the colonia or the village where we were at and then we'd make them wait while we gave them a message. And I'm thinking they're already humiliated that they have to have people bring them things that they need. Now we're going to make them wait and listen to what we have to say and put their response. If you respond, you'll get the good stuff almost. It's almost like this selling of something. And and I remember just sitting there one time and I just thought, this is wrong. Just give them the stuff. We don't have to sell them the gospel. This is the gospel. You're you're caring for them. That's Jesus. I don't want to hold them hostage. Listen to this message and then you'll get the stuff. No, God just loves you here. And then we can have conversation. Then we can talk with them. We live into the name that we have believed is good that represents God, the God we want to follow. We have a tendency to be performative, right? I I can see what my worth is, or I can can see how people respond to what I say. I I want them to know that I said this. I I told these many people about Jesus. I, I shared my faith with these people. I remember we used to hear, did you share your faith with anyone this week? And it was like, oh, no, I didn't share my faith. Oh, man, I, there goes a notch on your belt, right? You're, you're a little bit less, you know, or you go to church and there's the missionary board, right? These were, are where the people who share their faith live. And then there's us living here, you know, in Upland. There's the us and the them, this performative understanding of this is what it means to to witness for Jesus and everyone else is just being lazy and slacking unless you're verbally sharing your faith. We try and we fail to represent Jesus as best as we can so that people understand what the name means, not out of guilt or obligation. I'm not trying to witness. I'm trying to be fully human as Jesus taught and to see the value in other people as Jesus did. I love that quote by Erwin McManus. It says, the early church, people saw how they followed Jesus and called them Christian. Today, we call ourselves Christian, and the world calls us hypocrite. The name was given because of how they lived. It is a faith that they carried. It's a faith that they wore. It's a faith that they lived. Yesterday, we were at a memorial for a friend of ours daughter who passed away. And Shannon was a young lady in her 30s with special needs. And it was a touching service, especially when her brothers spoke. When her brothers talked about her, they talked about all the ways that she affected them. And if you don't know the Robinson boys, these guys are strong, handsome, smart men. And they carry themselves that way. I mean, they really are just pretty incredible young men. 
But as each of them shared about their sister, and as I would see them throughout their lives, because I did one of their wedding, I counseled with one of them, I actually went to Wales with one of them, I, I knew them somewhat, and every time I saw them with their sister, they were at their best. The strength, the wisdom, the wittiness, she grounded them to humanity where they just shined. And those last moments in the hospital, seeing her brothers with her just overwhelmed me. It was like a holy moment. Seeing them just with their head on her head and just crying and touching her, it was just precious. And all this because of the special needs girl. They were telling a story at the hospital that Nick was playing basketball and Shannon was in the stands and she'd had enough. And so she had this lollipop and she just took it and she chucked it in the middle of the basketball court, right? And it just shattered into thousands of pieces. And they had to stop the game. They had to clean up all the remnants of this lollipop. And Nick said that the rest of the game, there was stuff stuck to the bottom of their shoes, this candy cane, right? They could never get it off. And I just thought, this is such a beautiful picture. No one probably remembers who the leading scorer was that game, but they all remember Shannon. <laughs> she left her remnants on that floor. And even though it was in this act of, I just don't want to be here anymore, it was genuine. You see, Shannon never knew what kind of impression she made on her brothers. She was just who she was, and it infected their lives in such a positive way because of the beauty of her person. This young woman with special needs. And I thought, what a beautiful picture. It's not about how much I have to do, or, or it's about living in this way that influences those around us. She didn't even know. You couldn't even see the influence that she had on her family, except to stand back and see the bigger picture. It was so subtle, but it was so continuous, and it was so, so beautiful. And I think that's the picture of what it is to wear our faith to live a life that has such influence that we don't even know we're influencing others, that people don't even know we're influencing them. It's happening because of who we are in our interaction with them. And it might just be telling the person at Starbucks, hey man, you're doing a good job. It might just be giving someone a hug. It might be having a hard conversation. It could look like a million different things, but it all comes from this place of love and caring. Because if it doesn't come from that place, then it's not bearing the name well. And so I want us to think about what it means to carry this name, Christian. And we might have to help people past what it means to them because of how it's been used in the past. We might even have to adopt another name like follower of Christ. What we have to do is bear the name in such a way that whatever has been labeled or pinned on it can't be misunderstood. Because we want to have a faith that's worth wearing. And so that's what's in this name that we want to carry. Let's pray.
Father, I pray that as we think about these things, that our hearts would be set free and not be put into a place of more bondage, that this wouldn't be a burden that we carry, but it would be a life we step into. And help us, Lord, to see ourselves in the light of your character. And when we fail to represent you well, when we fail to recognize we are bearing your name and not doing it well. May we understand the grace that is there, that has always been there, that it was there for Peter, it was there for us. It is there because you care and are trying to raise up not only us, but humanity to an understanding of your kingdom. And so, Father, I pray that this would help us not feel the pressure maybe that we've felt in the past, but to be aware of your name and how we carry it. Because it is the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Again, I look forward to our conversation in a little bit. May you understand you have been invited to a family and to bear the name. And may you rejoice that you get to carry the name of the one who loves you and loves those around you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. And for those of you here, we're going to continue this dialogue a little bit just off the cuff here. So hope you guys stick around. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.